Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 56 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. I've been doing this show for over a year now, and I continue to be just blown away by the amazing parents that I talk to. It seems that again and again, after I talk to someone new, I think to myself, oh, this is my favorite. This is my favorite story. I have so many favorites by now that it's really impossible to even rank them. But I do have to say that Isaac's mom is definitely one of my favorites. The bravery that she shows by sharing her story and wanting to help others blows me away. Thank you so much, Crystal, for opening up your heart to us. I hope all of you enjoy hearing Isaac's story from Isaac's mom. Thank you so much, Crystal, for agreeing to come on the show today and tell your story. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to hear about uh, my Isaac. Oh, I'm excited to hear about Isaac. So you reached out to me, oh, what was it, maybe a month month or two ago? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, you asked if I had any information that might help you. And then we got to talking a little bit more. And then we decided maybe you did have something that you could offer to help other people. Yes, it was a it was a flip on me. I was looking to see if maybe I had not just searched well enough to see if someone had a story similar to mine. And you hadn't had anybody on as of yet. And then you said, would you like to share your story? And I was like, wait a second. (laughs) That's not really what I was looking for. But as I thought about it, there have been so many brave parents that have shared their story and have been open and you um, week after week, you know, sometimes it's hard to kind of go back to that pain. And I just think, you know, you allow yourself to do that and to feel that because if you're like me, there are some days I don't want to feel that pain. You know, it might be a good day and I don't want to be triggered or I don't want to, I just don't want to have that. I just want to keep focusing. So I thought, you know, that this is an opportunity for me to share about him. I obviously, I love talking about him as if every parent loves talking about their children. Yes. And so I just hope to do this in a way that honors him. And I hope he would be proud of me and that the Lord would be proud of me and what I say. I'm sure Isaac will be proud of you. Yeah. Why don't you start out just by telling us about Isaac? Isaac. I had Isaac early in life. And so he was a surprise to me, but he was the Lord being gracious to me. And I, he used Isaac to quit being self-centered and thinking about me. And so as soon as I knew he was coming, I knew that life was not about me. It would be about him and it would be about his well-being and taking care of him. And so some, I think, thought that maybe my life would have been over at that point in my life. But I knew that Isaac, I knew that this baby would be a blessing. And that's why I chose Isaac because 
in the Bible, Isaac was a blessing to Abraham and Sarah. And I knew that he was a blessing to my life. And Isaac's name means laughter, which come to find out, you know, after he was here, he loved to laugh. He loved to joke and be silly. And he wanted to be the class clown, you know, that kind of thing. So that was something that anywhere he went, he was going to bring life. He was going to bring fun. He was the kind of kid that I didn't have to worry about him making friends. I like, <sighs> you know, I could drop him off somewhere and I didn't have to worry. He was going to be alone. I didn't have to worry. He was going to bully. It was, I mean, he was just easygoing. He ate whatever you gave him. He wasn't a picky eater, unlike my other children. And so <laughs> I didn't realize. He was what, a blessing. Yes. For I sure. What a blessing that was then until I had the other two. And I realized how difficult that can be. But he was just a lot of fun. And he was the first grandbaby. So my parents just loved on him. Everyone wanted to be around him. My sister always wanted him. And so he was just a lot of fun for us. Yeah. Even, you know, even into his teenage years, he was always wanting to have fun and cut up and be silly. And he liked like Nacho Libre and would do these Nacho Libre expressions and, and just kept us laughing. Kept so, you laughing all the time. Yes, all the time. Yeah. Wow. What a beautiful name to have picked for him to really live out. And he did. He did. He, he's one of our greatest blessings we had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so why don't you go into now and talk a little bit about what happened to Isaac? Isaac, a little before all this happened, had just, he was a teenager and mm -hmm. he was rebellious. So we had a few years of just really hard parenting there was things that we felt from the Lord that we had needed to have boundaries on and he didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of bucked the system for a bit and it was really hard. It was really lonely. There was places I thought I would get support that I didn't get support. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was a really hard time, but he started coming around. I think he realized the decisions he was making weren't the greatest decisions. He had dropped out of school. Oh. That was a really, a really hard thing. Yeah. That's really tough. How was, how old was he? He was 17. Yeah, 17. He was, yeah, he was 17 when he dropped out. He just, I mean, he was already skipping school and all of that. He was a very strong-willed young man. He was strong-willed from the very beginning. He was very, once he made his mind up, you know, it was really hard, changed his mind. So I knew there, there really wasn't a huge point. I mean, he was bigger than me. What could I do? I mean, I can't physically take you and hold you there. So he dropped out. And then 2018 came around. That would have been the year he graduated. 2018 was a year I look forward to since the day he was born. He was born in 2000. And so mm -hmm. 2018, I knew he would be 18. He was going to graduate. And, you know, as a young little mom, I was like, if I can get him there, you know, I just felt like this was going to be so amazing. So 2018 mm -hmm. comes around. He's not graduating. And yeah. it was extremely hard on me because I have some of my closest friends. Their kids were graduating the same year. And so I was like already just grieving that mm -hmm. and yet genuinely trying to be happy for my friends, you know, that their kids are graduating. So that was a little tricky for me. It's tough too, because you really do lose control to make any decisions for them at all when they are 18. You know, they are legally 18. They can do kind of anything now and there is not a thing you can do about it so that's scary in general having an 18 year old uh, but let alone having one that's making those kind of decisions and dropping yeah. out of school and even here even here I don't know if it's everywhere but here in Texas it seems like when they're 17 you kind of lose a big say um, okay. 
you know, it's like, they're not legally an adult, but there's, I don't know. So I was sad. He was sad at that time because he realized he was working towards his GED and he Mm -hmm. realized how hard it was. Yeah. So he was regretful and remorseful that he didn't just stay in and, and do it that way. But by this time, our relationship as a family was healing. Things weren't as tense as they once were. Mm-hmm. He wasn't living at home. So he was going off and just doing whatever and he would work and he was working in construction. And earlier that year, that spring, he had gotten hurt. He had a saw and he chopped his thigh with a saw. Oh, ended, wow. Yeah. Ended up in the ER and got, I don't know how many stitches, a lot of stitches. After that, he was done with doing construction. So he didn't want to go back to that. So he had other jobs and, you know, I thought he was doing well. It seemed as a family, we were kind of healing from those, those rough years. And so, I don't know, I was just kind of hopeful. And then December, it was a Wednesday he died. I remember because my husband was off that day and, uh, you know, you're gearing up for Christmas. We went out and spent the day looking for Christmas presents and just had a normal day. Went to church that night. I had a meeting before church and because we had an event the next day and, I went and I just remember my stomach was hurting just so bad. Like I could hardly move. And I was committed to do that meeting and I was committed to help in one of my son's classes. So I was like, let me just fight through this and I'll just go home and take some medicine. I don't know if my body could just feel what was going to happen or I don't know. Yeah. We went to church. We left church. I stopped, you know, at the grocery store to get some medicine on the way home. And uh, we went home. We're getting the kids bathed. And I got a call from my sister frantically saying, Isaac's been shot. He's been shot. He, he was at the Walmart. There's a Walmart near our house. Uh-huh. He was at the Walmart. I don't even remember what else she said. I was like, okay. So I hang up the phone. I go tell my husband. I'm like, Isaac's been shot. He's at the Walmart. Just go. I was like, you just go. Because my daughter was, she was in the shower. So yeah. I was like, you just go ahead and go, and I will get, I was like, uh, you know, your mind's just racing. I was right. like, I'll figure out a way to get there. So he was still dressed, so he just puts the shoes on, and he immediately leaves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's been shot. Like, what in the world? Like, I, you like, know. how did this happen? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, I'm like, he, he's at Walmart. What's going on? And so I call one of my best friends. She's like, okay, let me come over and let me sit with the kids. And I'm like, Okay call one of my other really good friends. And she was like, how about I go pick you up and drive you to the hospital? And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm thinking I can drive, you know, she's like, no, let me come and pick you up. So I'm like, okay. So I get back in my clothes. I was kind of panicking because I had taken this medicine. I'm like, great. Now I need to take something else. You know, like what? Yeah. I'm like, it's going to be okay. I'm thinking Isaac was the type of kid that things would happen to him. But it would never end up terribly yeah. bad, you know? He kind of was. Yeah. So I'm like, it's going to be okay. Don't panic. And I'm just praying. My husband had, you know, he had called our pastor and word gets out in our town what had happened. I remember when my friend came over, my daughter was going to go to bed and she was 10 at the time. She was in fifth grade. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm going to go to the emergency room. Your brother's been hurt. I don't know how he's doing. You don't know anything. Yeah. She was laying in bed. I'll never forget just the look on her face as her eyes welled up with tears. She's like, is he going to be okay? And in that moment, something in me knew you can't make a promise that you can't keep. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I don't know, 
but this didn't catch God by surprise. Yeah. And God is in control. Mm -hmm. And that's what I said. And I gave her a kiss. And by that time, my other friend had came and I got my stuff and I was going to the hospital and everything just felt like in a daze, you know, because you're like, okay, well, where did he get shot? And I'm thinking, well, maybe it'll be something, you know, not so bad. Maybe it'll kind of scare him, but things are going to get back on track. And Right. And as we drove closer to the hospital, it was just like, I don't know, like something just exploded in me. And I just started to feel like in a daze. I think I told my friend, I don't know if I said it out loud, but I was like, I'm glad I had somebody driving me because I don't know how I would have driven. Yes. And so we pull up to the ER. I, I start to go in. And as the Lord would have it, as soon as I walk into the emergency room, our pastor was just coming out, kind of coming out to where the door is. So I see him and he puts his hand out to me. And he's like, I'll take you back. Everybody was staring at me in the emergency room, like the people waiting and the people that are like inside kind of like the triage area, Mm -hmm. like everyone's staring at me. And that's when I was like, this can't be good because they, I was like, they, they all know something and and they're giving me, you know, that pity kind of smile. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got that a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I happened to see someone that I knew and we had grown up together and she knew Isaac when she was a baby, she was there for some reason. And she was like, Hey, what happened? I, I don't even think I said anything. I think I just, I was just in a daze and right. You know, pastor Owen, he, he walks me back and there's a room of all, like all these people are in this room and I'm thinking like, how did everybody, like, I just got Get here. Yeah. How did everybody know? And And they, you know, like they sit me down and my husband, you know, puts his arms around me and I'm thinking maybe they already know something. They were just waiting to tell me. Yeah. They hadn't, they hadn't said anything. And so the doctor or whoever comes in, I don't even remember. um, They come in and, and they say, you know, he's been shot. They explain how he had been shot pretty much in his heart and that there was nothing they could do that he, you know, he was gone that they tried, but yeah. That was it. And uh, I honestly don't remember how I responded. I don't know if I yelled. I don't know if I was silent. I just remember feeling my husband just grab me from behind and just collapse crying. I was just like, what? Right. I mean. It's just unbelievable. You just can't wrap your head around it. You can't wrap your head around it. And I was instantly just mad at God. So Isaac died. It was December of 2018. My parents both died in the fall of 2014. Mm -hmm. I was like, now this, you know? Right. Yeah. If this is what following you is about, I don't want it. Right. You let this happen. Pretty much everything else was kind of like a, just a a haze. I just remember there was a lot of people. I remember like his, some of his people that he knew his his friends. I just assumed they were his friends because they were just young, you know, young kids. And like everybody was back there and I felt like everybody was staring at me. Finally, I'm like, I need everybody to leave. I just felt like everyone was just looking at me to have this, I don't know, this breakdown or, or, or something. Yeah. So we just sit there, I mean, and just crying and in shock. I have no idea what's happening. There's cops and detectives and they're going around and they're talking to like these young people to, I guess, figure out maybe what happened. What happened? They're asking me. It's just unbelievable. You know, right. it's unbelievable. And you were just in total shock. You, I mean, I, yeah. How does this happen? 
that night was actually, I knew that he had a girlfriend, but it was the first time I met his girlfriend was there. Oh, that night? That night. Yeah. yeah. The last time I talked to him, we had talked about her, but I had never met her. So I knew her name. She's there and her family's there with her. I can't believe this is happening. You know, yeah. I feel like that is the overwhelming sense that I got to like, I just can't believe this is happening. Like that is ends up being higher than the sadness actually at that point yeah. in time was yeah. just this unbelievable shock and going through your head is this actually can't be happening. Like yeah. there's just no way this is possibly happening. Yeah. Everything was fine. I mean, that's the thought. Those are the thoughts that kept going through my head again and again and again. And I remember my husband did not cry right away at all. Like they told us I was crying when we were in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and he wasn't crying. And he, he said he thought to himself, wow, I must be a really terrible father. I'm not even crying. But it's because the number one emotion was so much shock yeah. and disbelief that anything could be happening yeah. that the sadness actually is down a little bit, which seems weird. Yeah. So, so true. It's like you go numb. You just go yeah. numb. too much. It's just too much for a parent to take in yeah. that that would happen. And then I'm like, who did like, yeah, who, you know, yeah. it was just so much. I'm running to the bathroom thinking I'm going to throw up. I don't even know how long we were there that night. I also found out I was going to be a grandmother. Wow. That was another shock. He had plans to tell me, you know, uh, I think a day or two after this, he, that he, that's what he had said. And I was kind of still mad at God because I was like, you can't tell me that this baby is going to replace my son. Right, right, right. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not how it works, you know? Uh -huh. I can see why you would be mad at God for that because yeah. I would too. Because from the outside, someone would say, oh, but look, you can look into his eyes every day when you yeah. look into your grandbaby, yeah. right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff you're going to get. Yeah, and um, I get it. <laughs> and I'm sure you get that still even. And that would be really tough to take. Yeah, it was a lot. I don't know if I really like... It wasn't like I was like, oh, great, congratulations, you know? Right. I think I might have said, I don't know what to say. Right. I couldn't even see him that night. Oh. They didn't let us see him. I mean, your mind only goes to the worst of what. Yeah, I know. They wouldn't let us see him because he was a crime scene, which is terrible to think about. Your child dying and then hearing you can't see him because he's a crime scene and he has to be investigated. And so... We had to leave. It was really hard to leave. I was like terrified at the idea of seeing him and yet desperately wanted to just see him because it just didn't, it didn't feel real. So we left and we come home and I don't know if I got any sleep. I don't remember if I got any sleep. My husband had called his mom and his mom, his mom lives about 12 hours away. She was already in the car driving down to come to be with us. And then it's like, the kids are going to wake up and we're going to have to tell them. Yeah. How do you tell a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old that their brother died, that he was shot? Yeah. At a place that we go to all the time. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the next morning, we told my daughter. We just told her just kind of just a little bit. We didn't go into all the details, but we told her. And, of course, she's devastated. And then we tell my 5-year-old. Which, you know, I'm like, 
he was only one year old. He was one year old whenever my mom and dad died. So he doesn't, he didn't really remember any of that. He yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom being sick and going through any of that. So does he really have a concept of like death and the permanence of it? Yeah. yeah. But I remember we just said it. My husband has a great way with words and just said it in such a way. And when we said he died, you, I mean, you could just see on his face, like that he understood what that meant and he's yeah. crying and it's just, you know, as anyone in those first few days, it's just a whirlwind of emotion. And I do think telling the other kids, telling Peter was among the hardest things that I had to do. You feel like being told is awful. Telling someone, especially a kid who loved them so much. Yeah. So hard. I'll never forget the moment. I'll never forget the face. And it sticks with you forever. It does. It does. It, it's it's just, it really, a lot of it just feels so surreal when I, mm-hmm. when I think about it, you know, today I'm, I, this past week, I kind of just had like a good week. So I don't feel mm-hmm. quite as in the depths of emotion. So to think back of it, it's like, I can't, like, I can't even believe this is my story. I can't believe that this is um, what our life is, but we had tremendous support. Our church family has been amazing. We had people come and, you know, some of my closest friends, they would be here because people were bringing food and people were bringing things and they would just be at the house because, you know, you know, you're in and out because you're planning things. And so they were arranging things. People were so generous and kind to donate and pretty much help us plan the service because of their donations, which was so generous and kind. And this was right before Christmas and people just loved on us through that way and all kinds of ways through it all. That's what really helped us because I did, I had some moments where I was like, God, if this is, if this is what it is to serve you, I, I don't, I don't want this. I'm tired. I had to bury, you know, watch and see my mom be sick for years and then she's gone. And then my dad died. Surprisingly, it wasn't even three months after this. This is not what I had imagined life to be. It's not what I signed up for. No, not. Mm-hmm. And yet, even then, I could just sense him. He was like, you know, I'm not just going to let you go that easy. Yeah. And I knew, and even though I was so mad, I knew I so desperately needed him that there was no way I was going to get through this without him. And he has been what has sustained me and kept me in the darkest, you know, those dark, dark times where you just wish it would just all end because it just hurts so much. He's been that hope to keep me going. Yeah, I think there's no question. There's no question. I know I got very, very angry with God too. And then you feel guilty about being angry with God. And the best thing my pastor ever did was to say, you go ahead and you be angry with God because God can absolutely take it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he can absolutely handle every bit of our anger. And as long as I'm angry with God, that means I'm still believing in him. Yeah. Right. If I stop believing in God, well, then I have to would stop being angry with him, too, then wouldn't I? So if you give up your faith entirely, well, at least I knew I hadn't given up my faith entirely because I was still mad. Yeah. And as long as I was mad, I thought, okay, then then there's something still here and it's still salvageable and I can still get back. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that our pastor had told us that night when we were in the ER. 
he had said, you know, God can handle the same thing. You know, God can handle, God can handle it. Tell him, talk to him, dish it out. If anybody can handle it, he can. And he had encouraged me to read through the Psalms because you read about, you know, everything. David was up and down and up and down, you know, I mean, that's how I was going to be. And I still am. Yeah. I was encouraged to do the same thing. Yeah. Read the Psalms. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm joyous and I'm praising in the next minute. I'm like, I can't believe this is what you allowed to happen. You know, if, if you're in control, why did you let this happen? Because you could have stopped it. I know people have free will, but yeah. there's just some things I'm not going to know until I'm there with him. And when I'm there with the Lord and, and with Isaac, it's not even going to matter anymore. I'm not even, yeah. you know, I'm not even going to care. It was just not at all comforting to have anyone say this is part of God's plan. And that just made me mad. Yeah. But I do want to say, like, God certainly may have a plan. And I just don't have to be happy with that plan. And if Andy dying and Isaac dying are part of God's plan, okay. But you and I can still be mad about it. And we can still be totally not happy with it. And maybe we can get it later when we're in heaven. But as long as we're both on this earth, we're not going to get it and we're not going to understand. And that's okay. Yeah, it's just, it's just hard. It's really, it's hard. hard. It's hard sometimes to reconcile. Um, You know, the word says that his ways are higher than our ways. Yes. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. While we can know that and realize that. And I can say that, you know, today and I'm like, yeah, I know his ways, his ways are bigger than mine and his plan is bigger than mine. But when the the wave of emotion hits me, I don't care about that. You know, thinking I want my son back. I'm not going to see him grow up. I don't get to see him be a dad to his, you know, I mean, it just, Somebody stole his life, you know, yeah. and that yeah. is somebody ripped that from me. Mm-hmm. Somebody ripped that from me. And my son wasn't making the wisest of choices to get him in that position, but he didn't yeah. deserve, he didn't deserve his life to be taken away. And it's a tough thing. This has been a really working of my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been a, do you really believe what you have said you have believed all these years? Are you going to stand firm on that? I was very angry at the Lord for a long time. Mm -hmm. It reminded me, there have been times where my husband and I have been mad at each other. You got to take care of the family. So like, you're still doing all the things, but you and him maybe aren't really talking or you just talk just enough to like not throw off the kids. Yeah. (laughs) And just enough to just keep everything flowing because, you know, kids got to go to school or you got to do this. And, but as far as like connection, connection, because you're so angry, like it's not there. And that's how, that's what it reminded me of. I'm like, I would talk to him a little bit. Yeah. Um, I really wasn't open to really maybe hearing from him. Like I really, I mean, if I was honest, I mean, he knew, I really didn't want to hear what he had to say because I was just so angry. And yet I know I need my husband and I love and I love God. And I knew I, there was no way for me to go forward without him. So it felt just a period of time where it was like that for quite a long time, probably longer than maybe I'd like to admit, but then he was faithful to continue to send people across my path to encourage me and pray for me and be there for me. I mean, I have friends that they're basically like my, my free counselors, you know, because I could be honest with them about what I was feeling and they weren't judging me and they were trying to fix me. You know, they were just letting me be, just letting me get out. 
even if I said oh. the same thing over and over and over again. That is a gift. That is a true yeah. gift because so many people want to fix you because they just want help and they think helping is by fixing. And in so many ways, helping is by just sitting there and letting you be angry or sad or feel all of the negative stuff. You have to feel it. So if someone can sit there with you and let you feel it, that's the gift. Yeah. That's the gift. And there have been so many people that have just been such a blessing to me. I have a friend that remembers, remembers dates and will send a card you know, she knows it's his birthday. She knows it's this, you know, she'll send a card to me. I wanted to have something like with his name on me. I couldn't get his fingerprints because he was too swollen by the time he made it to the funeral. They couldn't get his fingerprints. So I wanted like a ring with his name on it because I just wanted to see his name. And I, Mm -hmm. I would imagine every parent that's lost a child, you don't want your child to be forgotten. And so I need something with his name or something. So if somebody says, who's Isaac, if they forget, you know, I can say, well, let me tell you who Isaac is to me. And a woman from the church, she got me a ring with his name on it and gave it to me. I had another friend that mailed me um, a necklace with a little charm in his birthstone. I've had the friends that um, there was a day I was like probably the lowest of the lows. And she just came over and just cried with me. I mean, she's kind of like a mom to me because she, she just came over and just held me. Like if my mom would have been here, you know, just let me cry. And it was probably the lowest of, it was scary, dark and low where I really just wanted to just give up. And I felt like, why do I want to continue on, you know? And she was there and she prayed for me and I know she continues to do so, but those things have just mean more than any showing up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have friends that are, that can be with me and can get my mind off things and I can laugh and goof off and have fun. And I don't have to feel the heaviness. You know, there's just such a balance. The Lord has just given me such a great community of friends and church family that are like my family. Um, My church family is my family. Um, My mom and dad are gone. And it's, you know, it's me and and my younger sister and my in-laws, they all live out of state. So it's not like I just have them to just go to their house, you know, when I'm feeling it. And so they, they are it. So yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for them. Yeah. That's very much a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. So I know when you originally asked me, you talked about the legal system and kind of what that was like. We were involved legally as well. Obviously, the woman that hit Andy could have certainly been brought up on much higher charges than she was. She ended up just getting a misdemeanor. And that took a solid year. So I had thought about this a lot as I was going through it, because to me, everyone knew she was driving 65 on in a construction zone in an exit lane. It was it seemed cut and dry right? People had said to me right away, like, oh, there'll be charges, they'll bring up charges within four to six weeks. And I remember thinking to myself, four to six weeks, that's crazy. This should be able to be done tomorrow. Okay. And it was 10, 11 months later before any charges were brought up at all. And during that time, I kept thinking, wow, she didn't even do this on purpose. I don't know how you get through it when someone meant to do the harm to your child and killed them. So talk about that a little bit. 
that legal part? Well, we have not finished the legal process. Mm-hmm. We are in December. It'll be two years, which is crazy. Our police department and detectives did a fantastic job and were able to um, locate and arrest people that were involved. That seemed to happen relatively quickly. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking, all right, that's good. You know, yes, they're not out of the street exactly. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit, my hope in the legal system does not feel very high because I guess maybe because after this, I have, I've watched some court TV, you know, so basically, you know, I'm an expert now, you know, (laughs) so I've seen some things. And to me, when somebody takes somebody's life, there needs to be a strict, strong punishment. Consequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My son was 18 years old. He was just getting started. He was expecting a baby and his life was taken from him for something stupid. And was it just some sort of argument? Is that what it was? My son was involved in some illegal activity and they wanted what he had. They wanted marijuana. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea he was involved in all of this. Um, Right. But that's basically, that's basically what they wanted. And I guess it was enough to take his life, you know? And it seems uh, so crazy and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it, it just boggles my mind. I know my son was not doing what he should have been doing. And I really right. wrong. And he has paid, he's paid the, the price. ultimate price. Yeah. yeah. He's paid the ultimate price, but his choices and the choices of the other people involved have trickled out to our family, our friends, the whole community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a grandson now and he's never going to know his dad. And, um, I don't know. Everything with COVID has pushed everything back with the courts. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure. We've probably had like five court dates and then every time it's about to come up, then I get a call or an email or a letter saying it's been postponed. And I kind of assume that with all this COVID stuff because everything's closed. Still though, it's shocking because this happened in 2018. So you see things on TV, which is totally not true. I mean, I know that all those medical shows on TV TV are garbage because I am a doctor and I know what it's really like and it's not even close. But for some reason, you watch the lawyer and cop shows on TV and I think, well, I guess it's totally different too now that I'm seeing a little glimpse in because on TV, they certainly get the bad guy and they're put away quite quickly. Like the whole thing seems to be done in a 50 minute episode or whatever. Yeah. And that is not even close to what life is like. It's not. It's everything is just surreal. And sadly, things like this happen more than what you think. Before December 5th, 2018, I really didn't pay attention probably too much of when someone was shot and killed. Mm-hmm. Now, especially on our local news, especially if it's like a young, a young person. Oh, sure. Like I'm thinking somebody just got like the worst, like I, like it just takes me back to that day because I know another family is hearing those same words and I'm Mm -hmm. Lord help them to find whoever it is that did it because there needs to be justice for, for the wrong that was done. There needs to be a consequence for the life that was taken. And so that is my prayer. My prayer is that 
there will be justice and that there will be a, a, a consequence that is a serious consequence that after this, people might say, you know, it's probably not a good idea that I'm just going off shooting off a gun to somebody because I might get sent to prison for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. you know, and not just a slap on the hand. I hope that that happens. I don't know if that will, because obviously when it's your kid, you, I mean, you want it. You yeah. Yeah consequence to be steep. I don't really know how that plays out. I know my interaction with people in the court, there have been, um, there was one woman at the very beginning, she was very sympathetic. She was very kind. She just had a gift of just being there and being supportive. One of the first times I had to go in to the court for, I forget what it was called. She brought me a lot of peace, you know, and she was very informative because I don't know the legal system. I've never been one to be in trouble. I I don't do anything wrong to get me to be in the, other than maybe like a speeding ticket five years ago. But, you know, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never even heard of a victim advocate before Andy died. I didn't even know that job existed until suddenly I get a call from our victim advocate who will be going to court with us every single time and will be there when we talk to the prosecutor and will be that. I mean, she was certainly a blessing. I was so glad to have her to be able to ask questions to, because that is certainly helpful because it is so confusing. It is. It is. And understanding all the lingo, I do hope, I know going to court is going to be painful. Mm -hmm. I know that hearing, and I'm sure I'm going to have to see photos or video or whatever it is that is shown, I know is going to probably be one of the most difficult times that we will have to go through. But I want to do it. I don't, I don't, it feels like the last thing you can do for your kid. Yeah. I I I felt definitely that. I don't want a zoom court thing, you know, Mm -hmm. where I have to zoom in and just watch it. I, I do have a need to be in there, to be in there with the people that were involved for me to see them. I don't know so much. I don't really, I don't really care about them. I don't really think about the people that were involved. My focus isn't really on them. I do want justice and I do want a consequence but I try not to even think of them. I try not to think of their names. I try not to even think of their families too much because it's just, I, I just can't. Yeah. Do yeah. It. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. I know I wanted her to have to look at me. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted her to have to look at me. Yeah. At the life she just destroyed. I wanted her to see my whole family sitting there without our middle kid. I just, and I felt like, I know that's like, seems like awful, but I needed that. I needed her to see what she really did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and it's so crazy because those attorneys say things. Like, I remember one of the court dates that the attorney said, well, maybe he had his head out the window or he didn't have his seatbelt buckled. And that's why he died. And everyone else was really fine in the car. And I mean, at that moment, I was so mad. I was so mad. I wanted her to go to jail forever. Like even for thinking for a second, this is his fault. And I feel like that could very easily happen to you because in a court, they are going to say not nice things about your son, that other attorney. And then your mama bear comes out and you just want, I mean, I just know for me, I was so, so angry that anyone would act like this. He deserved this in some way. Yeah. Yeah, I, 
when I really think about it, it really, it can infuriate me. I know mm-hmm. after it happened, there were several news stories, you know, that was the mm-hmm. story of the town and they wanted a, the news reporters, you know, trying to talk to me and I wouldn't talk to anybody because I'm like, my life is not going to be your news story. I'm not, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. not feeding into it any more than what y'all are putting into it. But I remember um, seeing it and, you know, of course, they would, you know, they mentioned, you know, the, the drug activity. And I, I remember there was this one guy on like every different station, he would go on there and he would say, well, that drug dealer got what he deserved. That was so hurtful, you know, yeah. because I'm thinking you don't even know him. No, you don't even know us. You don't yeah. know how I raised him. You don't know that I did everything I could. My husband and I, I mean, we take, we have taken our kids to church every week and have read the word together and have done, I mean, we're not perfect by far. We're not perfect, but I have tried my, I tried my hardest and gave Isaac my all, just like I do with the other two, you know, to have them to live an upright and a holy life. And he made a bad choice. Yeah. And to just group him like that just was so, so heartbreaking. That's not the legacy that I want him to leave. And I, and I pray that that is not what he's remembered for. It's for that one bad choice. Because we all have made dumb choices, especially when we're 17, 18 years old. Uh, exactly. We have exactly. done dumb things. He was so much more than that. And I, yeah. and I do pray that there will be justice. I do feel a bit kind of, I I don't know if the word would be jaded. I do feel skeptical that that will actually happen and that there will actually be a consequence for the person that pulled the trigger and killed him. I pray that there, I hope and pray there is, I hope and pray that there is. I have tried to not allow myself to want to take it upon myself to give this justice. Yes. I know ultimately that it's God's decision. Mm -hmm. And while at the beginning I was like, God, I just want whoever's involved, but they just need to go to hell. That is not my place to say for anyone to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I have no right for that. And the Lord has worked on my heart to even get to that place for me to even say that. I do not wish for anyone involved to go to hell. Mm-hmm. But I ask the Lord in his mercy to me and to Isaac to give justice because he is a God of justice. And I know at the end of the day, even if it's not here on earth, there will be justice. That is where I'm just really trying to hold on to. And some days it's easier than others. Today is an easy day to say it, but it's not always easy to live it. And I know that that week is going to be terribly hard and it's probably going to wreck me for a long time. But like you said, it's like one last thing I can give to Isaac. Yes. And I have personally tried not to numb myself by various ways. I have felt like I need to feel this pain and I'm going to feel it in real time. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Because I was fearful I would get years down the road and then be dealing with it and everybody will think I'm okay and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And that's been hard. That's been hard because there have been times where I have wanted to numb it in various ways that, you know, aren't healthy and the Lord has helped me not to. But sadly, I have two friends locally that have also lost children and their children have been murdered. One friend of mine, she, her daughter was killed about two years before my son. I don't think they have since found out who did it. Wow. Yeah. 
even in the midst of her pain, she was an encouragement to me where mm-hmm. she would say, she would explain how she felt and she'd be like, yeah, that's normal, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's what we need when we're having all these these crazy thoughts in these dark days. That's normal. But you're, yeah. if you're so- going to get through it. Just keep going. Just keep going, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, you, you just keep moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there will be some light. There will be some joy. I get to be, I get to see my grandson all the time. And he yeah. is a joy to see. It is mm-hmm. bittersweet. I never understood the word bittersweet quite like when I see him. It is so precious to see him. He looks a lot like my son. He acts a lot like my son did. Mm-hmm. But to know he doesn't have his daddy is uh, is hard. Very bitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It sounds to me like you have battled the anger and at times feel like you overcome it. Is that true? I feel like for me, I had a lot of trouble with anger and I really had to let go of it, but I had to let go of it again and again and again, because I'd let go of the anger and then it would come back. And then I let go of the anger and then it would come back. Is that your experience? I think I go through cycles of it. I go through having anger. I go through having a pity party for myself. Mm -hmm. I go through where I can like, I feel like I'm living in a daze. Like I know I'm living life and I'm doing things and things are good. And then I like see pictures and I'm like, it, it almost, it almost feels like it's a dream. You know, Mm -hmm. I see pictures of us with Isaac and I'm like, I know he was here, but it feels so long ago since I got to hug him. Mm -hmm. And since I got to hear his voice, And the way he called me mama, you know, was different than the way the other two call me mama. And it's a constant cycle. And I I think personally, I've gotten to a point where I kind of keep it a lot more inward than I, than I used to. Uh I used to be a lot more vocal and I would share like on my social media, maybe what I was thinking or what the Lord revealed to me or something. And sometimes it seems like it's such a cycle of the same thing over and over and over again that I don't Uh really care with people because I'm like, people are just going to think I'm crazy or people are going to be like, get over it. So I don't share with others so much as I once did, but I do, I I battle with anger and it makes me, it's going to make me really angry if there, if I feel there is no true justice for what was done. And that is something to work on for sure. I remember talking to my husband about that and uh, saying, I just need her to be sorry. I mean, that was my big thing. And I was like, I, it didn't matter. It got to the point where I was okay letting go of something, some of it, but I needed her to be really sorry. That's why I said, you know, I needed her to look in my eyes and I needed her to see what kind of pain she caused. And I needed that her to be remorseful. And my husband said, you can't need that to let go of the anger. Yeah. She goes, he was like, she probably will be. But if she's not, you have to find a way to let go of it for you. Yeah. And that was a good lesson for me to hear from him. And thankfully, she was very remorseful because, I, again, I don't know how I could have gotten to that point of forgiveness and the point of letting go of the anger if there had been no remorse at all. So I thankfully, I've seen that. I, I It's just hard. I don't know if for me, I'm, I don't really think I'm looking for anyone to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Because quite yeah. Frankly, what's an I'm sorry going to do? It ain't bringing I know. Back. I know. You're right. Back. 
And that's what that's what Eric said to me as well. He's like, it, it doesn't matter if she's sorry or not. He's still dead. <laughs> but in my mind, it did. It just it, but it was just me. It was just yeah. me. I mean, like if I heard that, I'm like, well, if you were sorry, why didn't you stay there? You left him there. You left. Oh, yeah. I mean, my son died with no one being with him. That breaks my heart that he would, I mean, I can't imagine how scared he, I mean, he was the kind of kid that would panic in situations like that in an emergency situation. I can't imagine what he was feeling and you left him there. Like, I don't need an, I'm sorry. I just yeah. want, I just want there to be a consequence for what you did and you pay it. And, yeah. and may the Lord deal, may the Lord deal with you as he sees fit, because I don't know. I just, yeah. And that is, I think, an important thing, too, for you to feel okay, knowing that the Lord will deal with it in his own time. And you don't have to. I mean, it does not have to be you doing a thing about it. Yeah, for you to be able to let go of that is big. It's an important uh, component of having faith, I would say. Because if you didn't have faith at all, and you didn't believe in God at all, and you thought, if he gets off with some sort of light sentence, then how would you go on? That would be hard. Yeah. At least you know that there will be consequence in the end. And it's that God will provide justice no yeah. matter what that is. And like you said, it's not like you're wishing him to hell. If he ends up making peace with the Lord later in life, he does. But that's not your call. Yeah, it's not my call. And I have... Um, I'm not the one that went to the cross, you know, Jesus did. And he has the say, he has a say in, in what happens. And we personally have that choice, you know, what, what we do, if we say yes to Jesus or not, but I do, I had prayed some crazy prayers. I will tell you, um, yes. to, it was a female that was involved. So I have, I prayed some prayers, not some that I'm proud of. I'm sure not, you know, God knows. And, uh, Sometimes it's probably good that he doesn't quite answer them exactly when you say, you know, when you say <laughs> and you're asking, but I don't know. I have faith that despite the way my son was living, that everything that was poured into him came to his remembrance and that he knew that he could call out to Jesus yeah. and is where that is what has kept me sane. Because when I think of otherwise, I, I could probably really go crazy. But that is my prayer is that Isaac cried out to, to Jesus and that he's there in heaven with him, with my mom and with my dad and that they're, you know, they're waiting for the rest of us, but it's hard. This has been the hardest thing that I've had to deal with. And it still is last night. I was thinking about us talking and I'm like, Lord, I, I can't believe that this is, this is my life. Am I forever going to miss him the way that I do? Because it feels like a piece a piece of your family is not there. A piece of your heart is not here. And trying to balance that with being satisfied with what you do have has mm -hmm. been very, very hard for me. And sometimes I feel like I do an okay job. And sometimes I feel like I, like I'm not, and maybe like I'm jipping my other kids, you know? I know, but you know, you are doing the best that you can and that's all that we can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and God takes care of the rest. Yeah. So we, yeah. as long as you are doing the best you can, it's hard though. I have felt that way for sure. It is hard. 
I will say, because I lost my parents the years before, my husband kind of had an idea of how I grieve and how I process. So he has been, I am very emotional where he is not as emotional and vocal. So having to give grace to one another and how we feel and how we process and my way isn't the right way and his way isn't completely the right way. We both are doing it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, you're doing it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that can be hard. And I remember reading a book about statistics about marriages after losing a child. And I'm like, I can't, we can't be this statistic like this yes. can't end because of this, you know? And I was like, my family has to succeed. We, this cannot destroy us. Mm-hmm. Eric said those very words to me. It was about eight hours after Andy died at three o'clock in the morning. He turned to me and he said, this cannot end us. We cannot let this end our marriage. Yeah. Because you do have to know that and make that as a priority right away because we knew we would grieve differently. Yeah. And it can be hard when you're going through it and the other one's fine. Yeah. And then you don't want to say how bad you're feeling because they're having a good day at the moment. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, then I don't want to ruin their day because they're doing okay today. Yeah. So then you end up holding it in more Mm -hmm. and teaching them how to grieve. Right. Has been difficult. I don't think when my, 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 Isaac was very close to my mom and dad, very close. And so I don't think I properly helped him grieve their death because I was so focused on my grief Mm -hmm. and I, focused on taking care of all their, you know, their house and their belongings. Um, I'm the oldest, so I kind of took the charge of doing all of that. And so in hindsight, I don't think I helped him in that. And so it has made me more mindful of trying to help my kids and letting them know it's okay to talk about it or not talk about it or, you know, finding ways to grieve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just being open to so many different ways to grieve. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's hard. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your bravery because it takes a lot of bravery and strength to tell a story like that and to live that. So I know that others will appreciate it. Like I told you originally when you asked if I had interviewed or spoken to anyone whose child had died after being murdered. And I said, I didn't, but I really felt very strongly that I wanted to. So that's why I had asked you if you were ready. So I'm so glad that you felt God's little nudging to go ahead and tell your story, because I do think it will help so, so many people. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for Thank you for asking me. Thank you for flipping it and inviting me to be on. <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.